Oh my gosh, the thing didn't even start. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Real Estate Podcast, where four, uh, we're missing one today, uh, four real estate agents talk about everything real estate. Today's topic is um, real estate terms that everyone or we want everyone to know, especially when you're trying to buy or sell a home. Um, So to start off, um, there are times where... um, you know, if, especially if you're a first-time home buyer, um, you know you're not familiar with these uh, these terms that we use, like um, pending, what's an offer, um, what does days on the market mean, stuff like that. Um, so uh, one of the ones that do come up, with, uh, I guess, my buyers ask me, especially if they're first-time home buyers, is what does when they see a home online and it says pending, what does pending mean? Well, yeah. pending means that it's that a seller or that house, the seller of that house has gotten an offer already that they accepted. So now they're sort of starting that transaction. And so um, there are times where they're going to accept offers even though they're already under contract, which is usually called a backup offer. And um, we'll explain that later or whoever wants to explain what a backup offer is, we'll talk about that. But, But yeah, that's what pending means. It means that, you know, um, they've already accepted an offer and, you know, we'll just have to see how that goes. If you're still interested, um, it's possible they can back out and then it'll be back on the market. But, um, but yeah, that's what pending means. Good old pending. JJ, what do you think about that? What do you think about pending? Pending versus active under contract. AU. Yeah. By the way, JJ Tolentino, Next Level Property Group. And yeah, so pending does mean it's pending another offer in regards to what that means for potential buyers. I tell them to not pay too much attention to it because Mm. they can do a backup. They can do a backup for one. It's just that when you're writing a backup, meaning you're you're secondary, you've already agreed that you're not priority contract. So you're, you're next up to bat. And if that gets agreed upon, you can, can have like an official backup contract. And in regards to consulting with buyers in that situation, I just feel like while you're doing that, you get a little bit more distracted from going, looking at active because everything's so quick when, when something else is active and you're paying attention to pendings, you could get the actives might get away, but it just depends on how quick you are and, you know, how fast you can be. And I feel like when you write a backup offer, there's a little bit of an emotional investment and you're just kind of torn around a little bit. I love just going straight into active ones. What do you think, Ian? So, yeah, I go by Ian of Austin everywhere on the internet. I'm going to say that pending and active under contract are confusing to most buyers and sometimes even sellers. You can get a backup offer in, but here's the question I get all the time. Can I still look for houses if I'm under contract or if I'm pending a contract, right? 
or if I put in a backup offer. So let's say you're the person that puts in a backup offer. The answer is yes. Generally, you decrease the price of the backup offer. So it might be $10 for option in earnest or something like that before you move into first position, which just means you're going to be shopping. Now, when you, you might say decrease the house. price, you mean decrease the, the terms of... Uh, the, Yes. The, uh, sorry. Thank you for that. So yeah. the price of the option in earnest yes. just while you're waiting, just during that waiting period. And then it goes to normal terms after if you end up getting that contract to work. Right. Right. So if, if you put in a backup offer, everybody agrees. And that's an, that's an agreement. But you're, wait, you're still in line with that agreement. And so as soon as if that person backs away, the first person like walks away, then yours moves to what's called first position. And now you get to perform based on the agreement that you had, which is normal option and normal earnest, normal earnest. As long as you write it up that way. As long as you write it up that way. Yeah. And that's a, it's a good way to do it. I mean, you could be back up to like nine different contracts if you wanted to nine different houses. And I've, I've recently won multiple backup situations unexpectedly right so it's good right so now there are different types of back uh, I, mean, I guess different types of offers but what are some other kinds of offers that um you guys might know about and you might have one that we talked about earlier uh so i hear people say off market a lot and that's interesting because uh People hear the term, but they don't really know what that means. It means it could mean that that person is a seller that is for sale by owner. It could mean that there is a coming soon sign in the yard. But in every case, it is not listed on the MLS where it's and the MLS is an agreement between a bunch of brokers to share data, which is the official term that most realtors use, the official database that most realtors use different from Zillow different from realtor.com. So off market means it's not in that public space yet. Maybe similar to a pocket listing. Pocket yes. listing. What's a pocket listing, JJ? <laughs> I would say it's something similar or it's it, because it's not on the multiple listing service. I think more realtors use that term because you think about like your back pocket tools or all these things that you have. So it's like a pocket listing that's so, and so very same thing that Ian's saying kind of off market. But I think when they say it's someone, a realtor says it's in their pocket, it's because it's in their database or one of their clients. Have you seen Zillow make me move offers? Yeah. MMM. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking a pocket listing is, right? So that means I've got a client who has a house. If I find someone that wants to pay them, a lot of money in this market, they will then sell the house. That's a that's in my pocket. Yeah. And when Ian says make me move, I think we're throwing around more slang every time we I know keep talking about these things. That's a seller that is saying, I will move for the right price. So make me move MMM and you may have yourself a deal. But I'm not like actively on the market. I'm an off market, make me move pocket listing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. good. What a, so much realtor slang. I didn't realize how deep we're going to get. <laughs> I know there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. Yeah. Now, when you say that, so what, let's see. 
we have off we have off market listings, we have pocket listings, and then we have ones that are in the MLS, which is which stands for the multiple listing service. This is where um, a majority of the houses that are wanting to go for sale are put, so that it's sort of um, I forgot what the term is called, but it's sort of just like thrown out there on all kinds of search engines. Um, and Spider webbing. Yeah, kind of like spider webbing, and so that you know it's available for the public and for it for everyone to know that it's you know for sale. Um, and then there are times, especially now, where some some sellers don't want so many people to come into their home, and you know, especially right now since like we're seeing lines out there and a lot of people are going into the home all at once. There are some people who would much rather have them off market or pocket listings. So you're saying to avoid all the showings? Yeah, to avoid some, and that's what I'm saying. You know, some, but they're very little. <laughs> Most that of that brings me to another term. What, yeah. What's your thoughts on coming soon in regards to everything we talked about? Ooh, I like that one. That's a good one, that's ladies. Crystal. Okay, so I'll, go what's ahead. What's your thoughts on coming soon? <laughs> I all you the ladies. Okay. Well, so coming soon means I am working with the seller. I, I, at that point, I already have an agreement, a listing agreement with the seller to put exactly. the house on the market, but it takes them a little time. So if I said, if you said to me, Hey, I want to get, I want to sell my house next week. Well, I know that, but I have to get pictures. I have to plan my marketing strategy for your house. I have to do videos. I have there are all these things that take time. You might have to clean, you might have to paint, you might right. have to stage. So all of that is, is coming soon. So I might stick a sign that in your yard that says coming soon, but it's not ready in most cases. Right. But there is an agreement with the realtor. That's important for people to know. I don't think people realize that a lot. There's already yeah, I think that's, the, that's like the differentiator between coming soon versus pockets and make me moves and off markets, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to take it back to sort of what it means to submit an offer. Mm -hmm. um, some people, especially first-time home buyers, don't know what that looks like and some of the terms that are on that contract. Uh, for example, what's earnest and option is what I usually get a lot of questions on. Um, and you know, these two, um, these two, I guess, sort of initial payments that you have to make when you make an offer are very like important to know, especially your first time home buyer, because those are going to be the initial payments you make once you make that offer or once that offer is accepted. Um, some people don't really know about that, but, um, but anyway, earnest, earnest money, um, is basically sort of like a deposit that you put down to show how interested you are in the home and how much you want it. Now there's a term for that, but I can't think, of, I can't think of it. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. Just think I'll say, about I say good faith too. Oh yeah. And good faith <laughs> to yeah. show good faith. Yeah. I use that too. I just, didn't come to my mind, but yeah, I like to pretty much tell people to look at it as a security deposit. Um, and then option is, uh, the amount of money you pay to the seller in order for you to back out for any reason, um, during a certain amount of time. So say you want to, you want like three to five days, um, 
of time in order to back out for any reason in case, you know, to give yourself time for that inspection report to come in. If something goes wrong and you don't want to like, you know, if you have cold feet, you can back out and still get your earnest back, but you won't get that option back because that's pretty much the money that you're paying them. Like you're saying, Hey, I'm going to give you this much that you can let me back out for any reason. And you can right. keep it if I back out. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other terms that you guys know about that you get asked a lot about the contract or offer? So when, when you're in that period of time, because this is, uh, I'm not going to say unique to Texas, but it's important to know that if you're coming from somewhere else, this is a Texas, this happens in Texas. You have that period of time where you can back out with no consequence other than the money that you lose. So if you put down, let's say $500 to get three days of due diligence where you can look for your, get your inspection, get any kind of foundation or roofing reviews, that all happens within that period. By the end of that time, you have to decide whether or not you want to back out. You will lose that money, but you will also get to keep it if you continue forward with the sale. But mm -hmm. what's interesting is we talk, and we talk about this a lot, we always say inspection. Inspection and appraisal are very, very different, and that needs to be known too. So JJ, I'm going to let you talk about uh, appraisal versus inspection. Yeah, the... Back to the inspection, you do that during that option. And the reason you pay money, the way I explain it is you're buying that option to terminate. So there is a time that this property is off the market. You know, you, you put yourself in the seller's shoes, it's pending. It starts, we, we talked about this just a little while ago. It's not active to buyers. So you're paying for X amount of time. I would say in this market, five days is like a thousand bucks. Does that sound Something okay, like well, I'm not going to tell you all my secrets, but I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing four digits for three or less yeah, days. At least, yeah, you know, uh, and that's because it's a hardcore seller's market. Another mm -hmm. term that some people don't know. It's but, like, listen, uh, I, I'm making it rain right here. Take my house, take this money, and give me just two days to get an inspection, people. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I, see, I just got a thousand dollar zero day offer nice yeah, i'm getting that a lot for my lot listings like yeah. i haven't had any well be, here's the thing for the seller if like if you're if you're off the market for a week you're losing a lot of time these houses are selling in two and three oh, days yeah yeah right so you want to pay them for that time that time is valuable to them so show it and that's what mm -hmm. your option period is show it say listen i will give you fifteen hundred dollars for three days to look at your house and make sure nobody else can have it. And that's what you're saying. Right. So that's your due diligence that's more in your control during that option period. Now, I want, can we I was going to go into the appraisal resale. part. I just want to say that this is resale. Yeah. It's different, for sure. different for a new build. We, this yeah. is more also for like these promulgated Texas real estate commission contracts because we're not attorneys. We don't write these things up. We're just realtors that fill in the blanks and yep. know how to fill in the blanks. It's yep. very interesting. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that option period, but then there's a whole nother part of the contract that says this is contingent on financing per se. Mm -hmm. Right. And financing is tied into appraisal. So there's another whole section of appraisal due diligence. And kind of like, in a, you can look at it as like a lender inspection piece, 
but it's it's that time to do an appraisal different from the option period that's the main thing yeah i would say that the lender is getting ready to give you a few hundred thousand dollars they want to check that the house is worth it so okay. if you're buying a if you're buying a six hundred thousand dollar house the house is only worth four hundred thousand well there's a gap who's paying it and that, so the appraiser, so this is a non-disclosure state, Texas is a non, so the state doesn't know what you're paying for the house. They, mm -hmm. they can see what loan you're getting. So they send out some guy who goes and says, you know what, these houses are closing for this price. We estimate your house is worth this much. And so then they go and tell the lender and the lender's like, okay, we can give you 400,000. And you're like, yeah, but it's six. It's like, okay, well, you better bring that difference, that 200,000. Yeah. And that brings us into appraisal waiver. Mm -hmm. Right. Who wants to talk about that? I know JJ does. <laughs> yeah, I had brought that up because this is a big topic in, in today's yeah. market. So when we talk about that financing portion of the contract, and you can make these contracts however you, you do the terms, right? We talked about how it will be contingent on an appraisal by the lender. Now, What's trending in winning offers these days, at least in my experience, is waiving the appraisal. Meaning, if it does not meet that amount, because you're going to have a, a purchase price your, or your, office, your offer price that gets agreed upon. And what you're looking to do when you waive the appraisal, you're willing to pay that offer price that you and the seller agree on as a buyer, if you're a buyer, Y'all agree on this price and you're waiving the fact that it's contingent on an appraisal. So even if it comes in at whatever, let's use the option was you said $600,000 house. Yeah. Uh, if, even if it does come in at that 400 mark or the example we're talking about, you're still willing to pay, have the cash as well to, to make that offer complete. So mm -hmm. you waived the appraisal. Yep. We just got a question from Mark. Crystal, you want to read that for everybody who's listening on the podcast? Yeah. So Mark K asks, how do specific house details such as study versus fourth bedroom impact appraisals for tax purposes or other types of appraisals? Okay. So we said it was a, uh, I mean, does anyone else want to answer or I get all excited? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, there's so, a science to it that the appraisers do. <laughs> yeah, there is a science to it. And I, I specifically, I took an appraisal course in order to, you know, renew my license. And it did mention that, you know, it really has to do on like the square footage and, you know, like bedrooms add a certain amount of value to it. Like the mm -hmm. number of bedrooms and the number of bathrooms right. add some type of, uh, some sort of value to the home. So, um, yeah, it really just, I don't really know the difference between a study and a fourth bedroom. It's a closet. And, oh, yeah, a closet. So it's interesting because people have this intrinsic value in their head. If I want to live in a neighborhood and the neighborhood is mostly four-bedroom houses, but there's one or two houses that are five bedrooms, well, what you're doing is you're saying there's a value on that bedroom because people are often paying more for, mm -hmm. that, five, for that fifth bedroom. Now, whether or not it has walls will matter to their kids. You can't put your kid in a bedroom that doesn't have any walls. It might have a closet all you want, but if there's no walls, you're not going to have them sleep in there. So that intrinsic value shows up on paper 
when you're comparing like houses across the board. So I'm looking in the neighborhood and there's they're all three bedroom, two bath houses, but one of them has a study or an office. Well, that people should pay more. And that's where you, when you go and look at what has been sold across the neighborhood, you can mm -hmm. see that those often sell more and that value is gonna be contingent up, upon the neighborhood. So it could be someone paid $5,000 more for this house because it had a study. Somebody paid 10,000 more because there were walls on it in a closet. And that's why it's a, an art and because uh, you gotta figure that out. And that's, that's mm -hmm. our job. Yeah. yeah. And also in regards to your question, you said impact on appraisals for tax purposes or other types of appraisals. So the, the, when Ian said non-disclosure state, it means the county who does the appraisals for their property taxes don't have that information on what you close that. So they do do a different type of an appraisal. I would even say it's not as intricate as let's say, if you hired an appraisal through your uh, an appraisal or an appraiser to come out through your lender. And it, it just kind of depends. There's even different, there's like drive-by appraisals. There's appraisers that actually go up in there, you know, with uh, the mass situation, I've seen drive-by appraisals more often. Mm -hmm. And that that's also different variations of appraisals as well. So the general rule of thumb is before you sell your house, you want your appraised value to be low because you're paying taxes based on that appraised value. Your county property, appraised your, your county appraised value is what your right. tax assessment, what you're paying on your property taxes every year. Right. So when you go to sell though, that appraised value is kind of a, a proof of concept for people when you say, no, 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 my house is worth more because you know, it's appraised at 750. So you right. can show that you have something to show. Also, when uh, when you're dealing with lending, if you can show that it's appraised at that. That's great. You just don't yeah. want to do it before you sell because you have to pay more in property taxes. Yeah. <laughs> also refer to our uh, property tax podcast that we did some some time back. Oh, yeah, we did do that. Oh, yeah, I don't did. know what episode. That's good. Good reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now aside from whatever is going to be on a contract or an offer. What about when you're trying to sell a home and we talk about terms such as days on the market, what does staging mean? Um, you know, I mean, we already, we kind of already explained what coming soon meant and what that entails. Um, so I guess in terms of, um, I guess whenever you're explaining days on market, we kind of explain that, you know, the less amount of days it's on the market, the better because for a seller, for a seller, <laughs> yeah. well, terrible for a buyer. <laughs> here's what I like to tell my sellers. If, if something is sitting there for 30 days, you're paying a mortgage every month, right? Mm -hmm. So you take that payment, let's say it's $3,000 a month and you divide that by 30 days, you're paying a hundred dollars a day. So that means every day it sits on the market, you're, in theory, losing a hundred dollars. So if you can sell it in three days, that's a lot better than selling it in fifteen days. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's a, and it's not a. It may not be a lot of money in the grand scheme of things, but it matters. All right. Now, when we're doing coming soon's, we talk about getting it ready with like photography, and then. Once it's ready to go on the market, we talk about staging. What does staging mean? Ooh. 
AJ? I, I use the analogy. I say, hey, you ever look at a like a glamour magazine like Vogue or something? <laughs> we got to spruce up stuff like they do for that magazine. Meaning, you know, it's it's the the date night look. You know, you got to accentuate the features. So when back back to the house, <laughs> because you got the glamour mag, which is like, what's going on? Is that real? Uh, you know, we got photography. We got a certain lens for the photographer. Uh, we definitely want to present it in the best light. You're looking at decluttering. So back the, the actual staging is like decluttering, coming up with different ways to put the furniture around to make walkways look bigger. I honestly defer to my interior decorator. I do like interior design consultations because I, I always tell people like I'm a salesman. I can handle these contracts and get the people in through the door, but I will defer to my interior designer. She'll come by, exchange information, and that's that's the best I could explain on staging, really. Yeah. Staging, in my opinion, also kind of gives the buyer an idea of, you know, what, like, if they put furniture here, that's how it's going to look. If they put a, a TV here, that's how it's going to look. And it just gives them, like, um, an idea of like visually how their stuff is going to, you know, look, and it just makes them feel more like home. Like this is, I want this to be my home. I can see myself living here. And right. it's sort of, it's a, it's just a strategy to sell it a little quicker too, because you'll find someone who is really going to love it because they can actually put their stuff here and it's going to look right or, you know, a certain way. I, uh, I, I like to tell people this when we're talking about staging. So, Without getting too, I don't like religion, politics, and all that sort of stuff on the channel. I don't like talking about that, but so I'm gonna keep it factual when I say this next thing. If someone's walking into your house and you have, uh, let's say, crosses and Jesus all over, you can love Jesus. The people that are walking into your house, you're, remember, you're trying to sell this house, you're trying to get rid of this house. It doesn't matter what you think, right? The marketability decreases if you leave those sorts of things up, you leave symbolic things up. And so if you staging, part of staging is having those hard questions, get rid of everything that's too personal, right? Because then people will, people get to imagine themselves in the house. It's not about you, mm -hmm. it's about them living in this house. And that's the hardest conversation to have sometimes when you're talking about staging and getting a house ready for sale. Yeah, and I like to call that depersonalizing. Thank you. <laughs> word. So we did yeah. get another question for Mark about, uh, let's see if I can pull it up. You want to okay. read that, Crystal? Yeah. So Mark K again says, can't the seller just remove listing and re-add it number of days on market? No. Yeah. So once, once, they can, but they can't. Yeah, they can, but they, so say you put it on the market and it's, you know, three days and, you sort of, you know, change your mind. You want to do something else. You take it off the market. It'll show that you've taken it off the market for a reason. And no one knows why you may know it, but whoever's looking at the history may not know. And they could think, Oh, well, something went wrong. Maybe something went wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you put it back on, uh, on the market, it just, it, starts again at where it left off. So if it's been three days, it'll continue and then go on to four or five once you put it back on the market. Um, so there's like two parts to that to Yeah, the, I would, there's two days on market 
interpretations on the multiple listing mm -hmm. service that are public. It's active days on market and cumulative. So Crystal was saying the cumulative will rack up. Yeah. And it's also because it doesn't reset. I think you have to come off the MLS for like two, three months or something like that. Yeah, it's a while. Yeah, it's a minute. So so people don't do that. And if they do try to do that, they're actually in a whole nother point in the market. So your cumulative, your cumulative days will add up. Your historical days, when realtors look at it, can see that you're going on and off. Uh, you can reset your active days. So there's a, a surface layer of days on market that show up. That's called active days on market. So somebody that's just grazing through can say, oh, that just popped up. It's only been on for one day. But then a realtor could go in there and see, man, it's been on and off and all these weird things are going on. And that's basically what you want to stop from happening. On some of the, on some of the other sites like Realtor.com or Zillow, for example, it shows back on market. Mm -hmm. that, that back on market, all of those days are still added up in the back end. So when we look on the MLS, you know, our, us agents, we're smart enough, us realtors are smart enough to go back and look at the history and say, okay, it was off and on three times. And what you have is buyers see that and psychologically they think, okay, something's wrong. They'll probably take a low ball offer. Not true in this market, but keep that in mind, right? Because mm -hmm. people, people think that they, oh, it's back on market. I could, there's gotta be something wrong with it. I'll offer 10,000, 50,000 less. No, no, you're still gonna go into multiple. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But it could, now, it could also be an opportunity to win. That is important too. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Good question. Thanks, Mark. So we have, I think, a little bit of time to talk about one more term that does anyone have a term that they would like to let the public know? Ooh, uh, proof of funds. Can we do that one? Ooh, yeah. That's fun. Proof of funds. <laughs> that could be a really fun so one. The proof of funds comes in whenever you're paying in cash, right? That's one situation mm -hmm. where you need it. I mean, there, there are a few, right? There's also during an appraisal waiver. Nowadays, if you're putting in an appraisal waiver, I want to I see you prove to me that you have the gap if the appraisal comes back low. Mm. So if you're buying a $700,000 house, it's only going to appraise at 400 and you're like, yeah, wave it. I'll pay the difference. I want to see that you have 300,000 in an account. I don't care if it's a, a, a stock account, a, a trading account that you can liquidate or whatever. Prove it. Prove it to me. Mm -hmm. How do y'all like, if you got a snapshot of like 400,000 in my fidelity account Yeah. and it's like a screenshot, do, do, yeah. do you take that? Yeah. As long as your name is on it. Yeah, as long as there's a name on it, we don't need any account information, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I still need proof. Give me something because yeah. I don't know who you are. I don't know if it's drug money, right? I just want to see. <laughs> like that. a bag of cash. Yeah, bag <laughs> of cash. So someone just asked, Crystal, you want to read that? Yeah. BS6667 says, does that <laughs> include cash name. gift from, say, a family member? It can be. Yeah, I mean, if the family member's name matches. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It, it, yeah. And also in regards to what we're talking about, I personally get the representative from, let's say, Fidelity to write like a better documented letter where I could mm, yeah. call somebody and be like, hey, uh, or I try to get the financial advice. Like, just I just want like a letter that says, they could pull this money out and it's not like connected to some. Yeah. And most of the time the lender will already know that 
you know, a cash amount or like a gift cash amount from, you know, somebody is going to come into, you know, the, uh, the people who are asking for the loan, like they already know that. So they'll probably write that down somewhere. Yeah. That's kind of like, I'm not sure if that's a lender because with the lender that can all be taken care of depending on the offer. If it's cash, that goes back to what we're talking about, like proper documentation from mm -hmm. a bank rep or a investment you know, firm or something like that. You know what this ties into so well, why you need a pre-approval or at the minimum, a pre-qualification from a lender if you're not paying cash. Yeah, because sure. otherwise, how you prove it? You can say you want to buy whatever you want. I don't care. Prove it to me. That's what a pre-approval or pre-qualification does. Mm -hmm. More yeah. pre-approval. It's like the lender's version of you're good you're from the financing yeah. funnel. Yeah. yeah. Standpoint as opposed to cash. Right. All right. Now I'm sure we can go on and on about all the terms that we want to discuss. Oh, do you want me to read out this question? Yeah, we have this last one. Okay. This last, one. last question. Noah asked, I was told that any cash moved needs to be seasoned, quote unquote, for two months. Good question. Good question. JJ, what do you think? Or Crystal? Uh, I would I've never heard the term seasoned. I know before, I, but I would imagine <laughs> I say. that the lender has like a certain pattern to it or paper trail. So yeah, it's it's the paper trail. So here's what's happening. If you're getting a loan, let's say it's a FHA or a conventional loan, which are more terms we haven't gone through. Though, uh, some of these loan types have to be submitted to the government. Well, if mm -hmm. you're getting a cash deposit, that's a gift from a family member. Where did that money come from? How did it just show up in your account? So this goes back to the, you can't have money crossing borders you know, yeah, from real Mexico or like Colombia or whatever. Regulated. Right? You can't yeah. fence real you estate deals. You have to be able to prove it. Otherwise it's speculative. They're like, mm -hmm. you can't just, it, has it been taxed? That's important. Yeah. So I just, I want to call this out. I love this. I love this. So first Friday beer, everybody, even though Liberty's missing in action. And lastly, super oh, sticker. Super sticker. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Mark. That's awesome. Appreciate really you, cool. man. Yeah. That just kind of shows me how uh, important this topic was to bring up and talk about Absolutely. today. So yeah. Like I said, uh, we're kind of um, towards the end of the podcast here. So um, like I said, I'm pretty sure we can go on and on about all these terms that, you know, a lot of you probably don't know about. But um, contact me or JJ or Ian if you want to know more. And thank you guys for tuning in. All right, y'all. Thank you all Have so good much. Good luck out Have there. A good one. I know. Good luck out there.